0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Chumbicle Terminal fans, welcome to the show once again on a Sunday afternoon. sign Guy and QT with you like usual, and we want to remind you real quick, if you're looking for some live pro wrestling, if you're in Indianapolis today, AWR is running the Emerson Theater, so if you're in Indy or the surrounding area, go over and check that out. They always put on a good show. But I want to... Welcome our guest today. He is from the Midwest, as a matter of fact. Sam Knight, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Glad to be here. Our pleasure. And since today happens to be your first time with us, we will give you the first timer question to start out. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling?
2: Uh, i 've always been a fan. Um, my dad was an entertainer, a musician, and an actor uh, and that that so I kind of ran a family to do something um, that was how he used to work spectacular um, and so growing up, you know the music was a big thing, and acting was a big thing, but I really wasn't into that. I was into the, to the um, the entertainment aspect of being physical. You know what I mean? Grandfather was a boxer. And so uh, when I was 12, uh, one of the first matches I remember watching, like off the top of my head, was The Rock versus Mankind at Arrowhead Pond, It was an I-quit match. And so watching that match, I fell in love with pro wrestling. I would always liked it. But that's where I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what makes me. This is <laughs> The Rock is my favorite wrestler. Uh, you know, what I mean, I was a, I was a twelve I was a twelve year old sixth grader. Rock's my favorite wrestler. Let's go ahead and be a wrestler. So, um, and, and it just never shook. I, I I never got away from it. So and then you know the rest is history. You know, I took off from there.
1: Um, uh, The Rock and mankind was in that attitude era the monday night war era where wrestling had really exploded and right, was right. all over the mainstream uh... here in the era we're in now wrestling seems to be pretty big again you have several national televised companies you have a lot of companies that are doing uh, very very well mm-hmm. First, we're peaks and valleys like there always will be with pro wrestling. But Do you think the era that made you fall in love with wrestling is comparable to the era we're in now, or do you think that it's completely different?
2: Um, Honestly, the thing about professional wrestling is it's always evolving. So the era that I grew up in to me, it's going to always be the best era of professional wrestling because that's what made me fall in love. Whereas there are younger children now who watch the era, the, the era of professional wrestling now, and they, this, this new brand of wrestling, this new evolution, if you will, of wrestling could be what makes them fall in love. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to say that they compare, compare to each other. Uh, what I will say is they both have their aspects that attract their different audiences, I will say that they both uh, are great for what they are, especially for their time. Remember, we were in an age back in those days where it was WCW versus WWF at the time, you remember. Now, everyone who is wrestling fans are saying that WWE and AEW are, are competing with each other, which, in my opinion, I don't believe it's a competition, not just yet. They're not going head-to-head on a Monday night so or Friday night, for that matter. So, um, I think wrestling, what it is now, is it's great. I'm always going to be that old school guy because I grew up watching The Rock, Mankind, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Triple H, The Undertaker, watching those guys who were in direct competition with Ted Turner's WCW. And I remember flipping through the channels on Monday night, watching Raw and Nitro at the same time. You know what I'm saying? So I can't. I can't I, I, even even though I am I am kind of biased, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, kind, kind of like. I kind of love the attitude era a lot more. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, they're, that they can I can compare the two. I can't because they're the wrestling for each generation. Does that make sense? It does
1: for sure. Yeah. Well, this coming summer for pro wrestling I think will look a little bit different than the last few years. Uh, Last year of course was radically different than any other uh, year we've ever seen for wrestling due to the global situation. But Mm -hmm. this year it looks like as more things open up and restrictions are lifted, we might be seeing more outdoor shows, uh, more Mm -hmm. uh, venues that have social distance seating and everything. I know in the Mm -hmm. summer, we often see outdoor shows, and you've had to work in conditions where it's been a blistery 50 degrees before, I'm sure, but Mm -hmm. what are your general impressions and thoughts of outdoor shows? Um, Outdoor shows don't really bother me
2: much. I remember when, because I got my wrestling start in Los Angeles. So uh, I remember on Friday evenings wrestling outside. Uh, we would wrestle in East LA. There was a church that they ran shows on Friday nights, and we'd be outside. And then I remember coming coming up even in um, the late the late in, 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 sorry in 2011, wrestling outside shows wrestling in places like the Anaheim Marketplace uh, for for those wrestling fans who followed the SoCal independent wrestling scene. Um, There was a lot of uh, Wrestling at the Anaheim Marketplace so we would wrestle outside So with with this global pandemic That's uh, seemingly uh, Dissipating And and, and the world seemingly opening up And the restrictions seemingly seem to lift um, Outside shows are great (laughs) You know what I mean I think it's an opportunity for Wrestlers to test themselves You know what I mean Get the cardio in you don't know what that heat's gonna be like. You know what I mean? Or like, I've wrestled in hot weather, cold weather, rainy weather. Didn't matter. I was in it. I've been in it. So it's definitely different. But I think that it will be great for for wrestlers, up and coming wrestlers, and wrestlers of my age too. To test for it. Uh,
1: looking back at things, what would you say was the worst weather? Uh, where you had to be in a match and competing during that weather?
2: Uh, like I said, I'm, from, I'm, from, I'm originally from L.A. I've wrestled in the rain. Uh, actually, it started, started raining heavily during my match. I was in a tag match in East L.A., and we were wrestling on a vinyl mat.
0: So
2: <laughs> imagine once that water is hitting... And I'm wearing wrestling boots, I'm slipping and sliding. You know what I mean? That's got to be the worst I've ever had of it. Uh, I, I've never, you know, I never had the opportunity to wrestle in snow. Knock on wood. I mean, it could happen, but you know, it's never been that type of situation. But uh, I would say the rain, the rainy show that I wrestled in on a Friday night in L.A. That was probably one of the worst times I've ever had to be out there.
1: I've been on shows with vinyl mats where there was not necessarily a downpour, but a little uh, light rain. Those are not fun to do with a vinyl mat. Oh, no. No,
2: no. No, no, no. There he the...
1: Yes, I was very aware of my knees and ankles at that point. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Now, over the last probably 10 years or so, there's been a lot of debate on wrestling or uh, blood. A lot of promotions uh, try to avoid blood as much as they possibly can. Lots of areas mm-hmm. have regulations on blood from the state athletic commissions. Uh, you still see a lot of deathmatch wrestling companies out there that have blood practically every match on every show. For your own personal views, where do you stand on blood as it relates to wrestling in twenty twenty one?
2: Um so I'm not I'm not against it. I'm not against death matches. I'm not against those kind of, that kind of stuff. But I'm also very old school. And that's where I, I've had to evolve my thinking so to speak. Um Professional wrestling back in the day, when when a, when a match would lead to guys bleeding, it was usually because these guys have been feuding for a while. Uh, there was always a build, you know what I mean. Not every match, you didn't have a typical singles match on the show and a guy bust a guy open and keep going. No, uh, unless it was an accident, you know what I mean. But in most cases, if you're if you're old school like I am, you remember watching guys build their feud. There was even a match called the First Blood Match, right? If I'm correct, First, first Blood Match. So yeah. when you watched wrestling back in the day, it was, it was there was a few, there was a buildup, and then it led to that big match. I'm not one, me personally, to go and sign myself up to wrestle in a, death, in a death match because I wanted to make sense. I've always been that way. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a knock at death match wrestling deathmatch wrestling is cool because wrestling has evolved. And that's the thing that I have to keep saying because wrestling has evolved from what it was back when I started watching wrestling to what it is now when the kids watch wrestling nowadays. Because deathmatch wrestling is cool. I remember watching XPW. XPW had a lot of deathmatch wrestling blowing up. One of my trainers, Supreme, the king of the deathmatch. You know? Uh, so... It's it, to see it make its comeback. It's pretty awesome. Do I think it's something I want to do? No. For for Sam Knight to be in a match of that of that caliber, there has to be a, a build up. Me and this person has, should have been feuding for a couple of shows. People need to be invested in that match to, or in that view, to want to see us go to that next level. You know, uh, I, I liken it to watching, uh, you know, Rock Austin. And I'll use them because that was that was one of my favorite feuds. The two of them would build their feud, and then when it got to the point where they had to have that big match, that big gimmick match, bleeding meant something, you know. So that's just that's just my way of
1: thinking. Makes perfect sense. One of the things that played wrestling for a very long time, and gave the sport kind of a bad stigma and it is still there to some degree I think is the use of steroids within wrestling don't hear about it as frequently as we did say 15 20 years ago but I'm sure it's still around on some level Uh, for your own personal career do you have thoughts on uh, steroids and how they have Evolved through the years within pro wrestling. Um, steroids is a personal
2: choice. That's that's basically my opinion. Um, it's a it's a personal choice, and there are guys who choose to use them. and are guys who choose not to. Um, reason being because it just all depends on depends on what you believe. Uh, back in the days, steroids was a big deal. Yes, you don't hear about it much anymore. Uh, because there, you know, there are a lot of studies that's come out of what what it does to your brain, what it does to your body. But uh, just because you don't hear about it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Uh, I don't have any particular stance on it, good or bad. You know, to me, it's like because it's pro wrestling, it's just like looking at any professional sport. It's there. I'm not going to be like, oh, that's bad and that's good because I don't have any personal experiences with them. You know what I mean? But what I will say is it's definitely (laughs) a part of professional sports still to this day. You know what I mean? Um, It's just like I said, it's just one of those things that just because you don't hear about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist anymore.
1: Exactly. Well, like we were saying, uh, the pandemic has changed a lot for professional wrestling as far as uh, running shows and how often shows can run and so forth and so on. One of the things that a lot of people, especially at the independent level, which was affected much more severely, is uh, wrestlers staying in shape. Uh, That's gonna be kind of an issue as we continue to open things up and companies start to come back. For yourself, did you have to do any uh, type of adjustments to the diet or the training regimen in order to stay ring-ready?
2: Yes. Um, so the, majority, the, the thing about me for 2020, I spent the majority of 2020 hurt. I ended up having knee surgery in August of 2020. So when the pandemic hit early March, I had just wrestled uh, a match for New Age Pro in Terre Haute. And I defend I was heavyweight champion there. and then we, we were scheduled, we were like preparing for a good year, and then COVID hit. So luckily, I was already in the gym training with one of my good buddies and uh, transitioning into the mixed martial arts and trying to kind of get leaner doing that. COVID hit, we couldn't, you know, couldn't spend a lot I couldn't spend a lot of time around a lot of people. Uh, he luckily ended up getting the ring. We ended up training together, so I was constantly in the ring. And then I got hurt at the end of July and had surgery at the end of August. So I spent ten months out of the ring, like ten months of no of no wrestling shows. I, I seemingly disappeared from the scene for a little bit because I I couldn't work, but I was still in the gym. I was still dieting. <laughs> I, I developed a uh, program to keep me in shape, to help me get in better shape. It's a program I'm, I'm currently on as well. now. You know, um, My gym at home ended up closing for a little bit. So I was working out at my house. And I had another buddy that lived not too far away from me who ended up putting a gym at the, uh, in his... Uh, in his basement, so I was working out there as well. So I was still staying active. I was still losing weight. I was still keeping my body in check, and I was still dieting. You know what I mean? Now, when I'm back, I just made my return to the wrestling world last month. Um, now, now my body looks completely different. Uh, a lot of guys on the independent scene – you know, spend a lot of time working hard to keep themselves in shape. As you said, a lot of them, you know, it's kind of a shame a lot of guys are coming back and they're not ready to go. They're not ready to be back just yet. I think it's important to look at yourself and ask yourself the question, do I want to be the best me or do I want to be the same guy I've been all this time? Does that make sense? Uh,
1: you mentioned, of course, Uh, We're a pro there in Terre Haute, Indiana, and they have a lot of really good younger talent that the fans in central Indiana are getting familiar with, but maybe fans across the nation don't know just yet. They have guys like uh, Jason Levi, like Dalton Davis, Nate Matthews, so many great young pieces of talent. Don't Die Miles is there. Uh, They bring in nationally known stars for seminars. Last week they just had legendary Larry D for a seminar. Do you think that as a promotion that New Wave Pro is on something big right now with the mix of talent that they have and the dedication they have to kind of making sure their guys improve through seminars and getting opportunities like that? I think
2: New Wave Pro, and I'm not going to just single them out, I think New Wave Pro and a lot of other promotions as well are on to something big. Capitalizing on the pandemic, uh, slowly, like I said, beginning to dissipate. uh, There are a lot of of younger guys that are taking advantage of the opportunity to learn. I know Grindhouse Pro Wrestling. I know uh, EWE. I know a few others were bringing in, bringing in guys like Larry D, guys like, uh, off top of my head, you mentioned Larry D, and that's the one I remember the most recent. Uh, I know Heroes and Legends, they've got seminars still going on as well uh, this upcoming weekend because I'm on that show, so it's, it's these promotions taking well advantage of the fact that the younger talent wants to, wants to learn. And I think it's great. It's a, step in the, it's a huge step in the right direction. Because we didn't have a lot of that when I first started wrestling. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of guys didn't want to share their knowledge. No disrespect to them, you know, but a lot of the guys didn't want to share knowledge. And also, as younger guys, a lot of us didn't want to learn anything. You know, we thought we knew it all. But to see these younger guys stepping out and and going and getting this knowledge. Larry D hustling out here. This man is he's going out there and and selling himself, and he's also telling people, yo, I will work with you. I will help you. So I wish there were a lot more Larry D's in the business when I came up. You know, uh, it's a good seminar. You know, Bob Evans, another one, good seminar. Rudy Gonzalez is somebody. I remember New Wave had a seminar with him, you know, um congo kong and a lot of others like these with when you have these promotions that are opening up the opportunity for younger guys and older guys to learn from them i jump at it take it you know so it it's, these promotions opening up and bringing these guys in it's, it's good for it's good for everybody it's good business for everybody
1: i definitely agree with you there for sure In addition to a lot of the wrestlers that we talked about and the guys like Larry D and Congo Kong and Brutal Bob Evans that are out there working really hard, a lot of times the people in the industry will sort of forget and a lot of fans just never realize a lot of the referees out there are working hard and they're doing their part, which a lot of times, does not go noticed who are some of the better referees out there that you've worked with that you think deserves to get looked at and uh, booked by some of the more prominent promotions
2: uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the main referees I've worked with and when I first started wrestling here Ollie farp was one of my favorite referees a uh, AJ Kissinger also known as Max Recon also one of my favorite referees to work with uh, Dwayne Silver uh, he's a great referee as well uh, Josh Cadden uh, there are so many referees that I can't name off the top of my head and I don't want to single anybody out and forget anybody but what I will say is there are a lot of great referees in this area particularly and, and also in California that I've worked with in different states that I've wrestled in um, who deserve their opportunity to be, on the big, to be in the big time um, because they know the business. They get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, what people don't understand about professional wrestling, that it's not just us. It's not. It's not just us as the workers. The referee is a very important part of those matches. The referee is the glue that keeps it all together, and people don't understand that. They don't get it unless you're involved in the wrestling business. Do you know how many times that the referee has saved me? A lot. You know what I mean? So uh, it's important to to respect the referee, not just respect the wrestlers, but respect those referees, because they're very, very important parts of what we do.
1: Well, at this point in time, we have a game that we like to play on this show. We call it Bring on the Choice, Bring on the Funk. I'll ask a series of two options, and the one that is just your own personal opinion is the answer. Are you prepared for some bring-on-the-choice, bring-on-the-funk? Let's do it. Here we go. First one: Steve Austin or Steve Kern? Steve Austin. Moon Salt or Frog Splash? What was the first one? Moon Salt. Oh, Frog Splash. Boots or barefoot? Boots. Cookies or pie? Mmm, cookies. (laughs) Discovery Plus or Disney Plus? Disney Plus. Frisbee or Kite Flying? Frisbee. Teddy Hart or Teddy Long? Teddy Long. Singlet or Trumps? Uh, singlet. The final one, New Japan or AAA? Oh, New Japan. All right, that concludes Bring on the Choice, Bring on the punk. One of the things that was starting to open up for independent wrestlers, probably a year or two before the pandemic hit was the European independent scene. We saw a Mm -hmm. lot more Americans and Canadians heading to Europe to wrestle Mm -hmm. in various countries there. Um, Just right before the pandemic hit, Ohio Valley Wrestling opened up a sister promotion in Mm -hmm. Romania which looked like it was going to be promising, the European market was seemingly starting to pick up a lot of steam. Hopefully when things get going and travel becomes more readily available, it will resume. But what is your opinion on the professional wrestling scene in Europe, if you have one?
2: Um, one of my good friends did a lot of wrestling. Uh across the pond and he, he 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 actually got a lot of steam behind him and it's actually one of the things that's on my bucket list i want to go to europe i want to wrestle in europe uh the fans in europe are, are great from what i've seen and from what i've been told they take care of you on an independent scene um and it's a business just like it is here in america um so i my opinion on european wrestling is phenomenal um, I think going to Europe for me would be great because of my style of wrestling. I'm a hard hitter. Uh, and I think that it would be beneficial for my career, just something to add to the resume, you know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah, you're right. You know, Before the pandemic, European wrestling, like every, everyone started to really, really pay attention to it, you know what I mean? That's another place to go for up-and-coming wrestlers, somewhere new to wrestle.
1: Absolutely, and hopefully that resumes sometime later this year. I know it was picking up a lot of steam once uh, things were halted. So I'd like to see that resume, hopefully. At this point, my co-host, QT Vokes, is with us, and I'm sure he has questions as well. So I'm going to pass things awesome. over to him. Well,
3: thank you, Sonja. Hello, Sam. How you doing, boss? Well, I'm doing uh, very good, very good. Uh, Sam, you said The Rock and Mankind was the first match on TV that captured the imagination. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the people's eyebrow was in the gumbo-like mix that made up your mind to become a wrestler?
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't say it was the people my brother got me. Uh, it, to be honest, what made me want to be, the, be a wrestler was the showmanship. You know what I mean? Like you watch you when you're watching something on television, you're like that really catches my attention. You know, Rock the Rock had me captivated from the first the first chair shot to mankind. So I was just like, okay, yep, that's the guy I want to be when I grow up. I want to be like that. So that's what got me going.
3: Would you say that when you first watched the A-Team, the A-Team, it made a similar impact? i
2: uh, sure repeat your question. I didn't hear you. Volume, I didn't oh, hear
0: you.
3: Would you say that uh, when you first watched the show the A-Team, that it made a similar
1: impact?
2: Uh <sighs> I, I I don't I can't say that I don't know uh, I, I I I can't answer I don't know Oh okay All right Well did you ever try to
3: pick up any
2: sixth grade girls with the people's eyebrows did
0: No no away?
2: no 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 But what I did do was wear, uh I did go and get shirts Because remember Rock used to wear those fancy shirts. Oh, and yes. I remember I remember one in particular I bought a uh it was a shirt that had a dragon on the back of it. It was a night it was like a gray shirt with a red dragon on the back. And I swore I swore that was gonna be the shirt that helped me pick up girls in sixth grade. <laughs> didn't really work out for me, but you know, I thought I was cool. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Well, Sam, what
3: was your first reaction when you saw the wrestler known as Dude Love.
2: Dude Love. Um, actually, I was a Dude Love fan. One of my favorite Dude Love matches was with him and Austin when uh, Dude Love was the heel and Austin was still feuding with the McMahon. But watching Dude Love as a heel, even with, even with, with, with the funky, you know, early uh, 60s, 70s character, he was still a great heel. So that caught me, you know what I mean? Plus, anything single stone cold, and I walked I was, I was into it.
3: Okay, all right. Well, Mr. Knight, many wrestlers log in many frequent flyer miles on their travel to Florida of wrestling events. O'Hare International Airport is very big. So is the one in Atlanta. But the last week, Los Angeles International Airport is big, and so is the SeaTac Airport near Seattle. How would you rate the Minneapolis-St. Paul International
2: Airport at 4,300
3: if you do make the drive?
2: Actually, I actually just was just there last week. I was just in that airport last week, and it's big. I, I actually liked that airport because that was the first time I'd ever landed in that airport because I was flying back from Vegas because I wrestled in Vegas. Uh, but I landed in that airport and I was like, geez, I have never realized how big this airport was because I've been to many of them. You know what I mean? Um, if I had to give a number rating or a five, oh yes, yeah, sorry, a star rating, I'd give it about four out of five in my opinion because I didn't get to see much of the airport uh i got off one side i got, got off the plane on one side of it ran to the tram and then took the tram to the sea the sea gates and then finally was able to fly out to get back to indianapolis so but from what i saw i really liked it, it was like nice airport oh very good
3: okay it, you, you know brock Lesnar you have landed in the airport and ran through it like you did
2: Oh, yeah, that's, that's town. <laughs> okay.
3: Well, Sam, what was your first reaction when you saw the debut of the wrestler named Goldust? And how long was your thought process of this wrestler has to wrestle the rock? Goldust.
2: So, Goldust, I think Goldust was on the scene before I even started watching. Early 80s. I'm like, sorry, late late '80s, early '90s. Um, I didn't start watching like seriously watching wrestling until '99. So oh, okay. when I first saw Goldust, it was in the Royal Rumble. Didn't know much about him, but going back and doing the research and watching him, you know his his character with Marlena and all that stuff. One of my favorite feuds with Goldust is watching Goldust feud with Ahmed Johnson. It's one of my favorite feuds with those two. Because there were a lot of mind games in that. Uh Goldust, Gold Dust and the Rock. Don't I don't remember much about a few with those two. But what I do remember is the the, the Gold Dust few.
3: Okay. All right. Did you like the Booker T Gold Dust run in at the seven eleven where Gold Dust the Booker T light of his weenie. Did you like that? <laughs> I-
2: <laughs> I, I, I say what I liked about Goldust and Booker was the tag team. I remember when, when Booker was in the NWO and Gold, Goldust was wanting to join. <laughs> That's something I remember.
3: Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Have you seen that YouTube clip of the, of the 7-Eleven running I'm talking about?
2: Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. I have. <laughs> I remember that now. It had to click. I remember that now. Um, because um, because yeah. they, they were doing a promotion for, uh, I don't know if it was Survivor Series or SummerSlam, one of the two. And <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I remember that clip. That was actually really funny.
3: Yes, Booker T was all happy when he came in at 7-Eleven and made a line for the Slurpee machine.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, he did.
3: (laughs) Okay. Well, Sam, I saw your YouTube video entitled Sam Knight versus Orlando Christopher.
0: (laughs) And Uh your entrance
3: music had a singer-rapper rapping a song about a black knight. Was Was the name of this rapper Roddy Rich from Compton, California? or Drake, who has won six American, six American Music Awards and 27 Billboard
2: Music Awards. Which rapper was
0: it? It was neither
2: one. Neither okay. one. The, the, the song is by, um, oh God, I, I, I know I'm, I'm my, I forgot to get you the name. I can do that right now. Um, but the way that I heard that song, uh, I was wrestling a show in California, and a friend of mine uh, who was running the show recommended that I use it. It's, it's called it's by Third Son and Samuel. That's what it is, Third Son and Samuel. So a friend of mine r- recommended that I would use that song, and I did, and it stuck. You know, it's actually a really good song.
3: Okay.
2: All right. Uh,
3: Mr. Knight, to your knowledge, was this song inspired by the
2: Black Knight in this rapper's favorite chess piece? <laughs> Knight, I, I, I can tell piece. you, I, I, to my knowledge, I don't know. Um, from, from what the song sounds like, it sounds like he's talking about a fighter, in my opinion.
3: Oh, oh okay, not a chess not a piece. Okay. No, not oh, a chess like- piece. Okay. Well, Sam, have you yourself ever dipped a black knight test piece in liquid nitrogen and used it as a moving object? I I have not. (laughs) Oh. Okay. All right. Well, Sam, I myself am a wrestling purist and believe that all referees should observe the protocol of wearing. The black and, and white zebra stripes. Your mm-hmm. referee in this match with Orlando Christopher, um, he had a solid red shirt. I believe he should have been better off in a T1 a bullfighting ring myself.
0: <laughs>
3: do you I, yourself? Do you yourself believe that all referees should mandatorily?
2: Wear the black and white zebra stripes in the U.S. I believe that it's uh, customary um, because that's what we know. It's good tradition. Um, do I believe that they have to? I'm kind of iffy on it because it depends on who you're working for. I would like to see the zebra, sp- zebra stripes because that, like I said, that's man, it's, it's, it's what we know is traditional. You know what I mean, but when I see them in different color shirts, um, my opinion it's just like it depends on whatever the company wants.
0: Okay, I like,
2: the, I like the zebra stripes. That's what I'm big on. I like those. Okay, how
3: about it? how about uh, should zebra stripes be mandatory in the countries of Canada
0: <laughs> and Mexico?
2: In wrestling, period. I would like to see them, period. You know what I mean? I'd like to see Demon Strikes. Period. But then again, you know, different. Even the bigger wrestling organizations go to different colors. You know what I mean? Red shirts, blue shirts, blue and silver. You know what I mean? Purple. You know, like you'll see. you it, it just depends on what they want at that time. You know, it's a matter. Okay. Of, it's a matter of that company's discretion.
3: Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Knight, in your match with Orlando Christopher, there was a regional wrestler in the ring with a blue and white mask on. He also had on a blue shirt with the words go, 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 and go printed on it. One go on top of each other. From my video analysis, I think this weekly wrestler, who had on a
0: half-high wrestling
3: boot, stood about two inches shorter than a leading wrestler. They stood together, at two minutes and seven seconds, or the deal two inches shorter. And I'd say he was about five feet, 11 inches, and three and 35
0: feet.
3: What a massive wrestler was. Do you know who this
2: uh, lucha wrestler was? I I honestly don't remember who that who that lucha wrestler was, honestly. Um, and for some reason, he was a part of the match, and I don't remember why. They they were just ringside. I know the match. Yeah. The match was with me and Orlando 101 with Jesse Black as his manager. The other guys that were there, don't remember why they were there. they, they were just there just just for eye candy. I guess I'm being vicious here. But I guess for a high candy. Oh, okay.
3: All right. Very strange. Okay. Well, Mr. Knight, at the four minute and thirty-seven the four minute and thirty-seven second mark of the match, Orlando Christopher looked out at the crowd and in a loud voice said, I want silence. This is this the first time you have been in a match where your opponent has made such an obvious fail to respect things with the fans?
2: Because they obviously wanted to pick them off. Um, I've been I've been in multiple matches where guys are asking for silence, are telling the crowd to shut up. You know, uh, it's their their way of like you said, trying to get the crowd to. To get upset and to get to and seemingly get behind me, you know what I mean.
3: Okay, well, Mister Knight, say if you had time travel and you happened to be in the ring with the big red monster Kane, who somehow took Orlando's place, and if the big red monster came yelled to the crowd that he wanted silence. Do you believe he would have been more successful than Orlando? Yep. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, Mr. Lane, at 6 minute and 15 seconds of the match, Orlando could quickly grab the referee's turn and clean him away from looking at for you he you down on the map. For some reason, Orlando and the referee were heading into discussion from the 6-minute, 17-second mark, to the 6-minute mark. During this time, the ladies that uh, accompanied Orlando and the leave believed her name was an opportunity to show you while your foot was on the bottom row.
2: Why didn't I get revenge on her? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I should have. <laughs> I should have, but I I think the the most important part about that was the fact that I beaten Orlando Christopher. So um, at that point, I allowed him and Jesse to return to the back beat, you know, beaten both. Uh, getting revenge was the last thing on my mind. I'd won, you know, so I said. Okay. okay.
3: Well, Mr. Knight, at the six minute and 58 second mark of the match, you were lying on the ring apron when Orlando performed a Hulk Hogan style leg drop on you. This is fairly high risk. Because the one doing the leg drop does not have that much room to hit his opponent. If he or she is about a foot or a foot and a half off, they can land at an angle and be deflected off their opponent on and not remain on the apron. quite scenario you yourself leg dropped an opponent while on a narrow.
2: Yeah, I just, I just lost, lost you, boss. I didn't hear anything you just asked. Uh-oh. Let me go stand
3: in another part of the room, where sometimes happens. Can you let me come down my volume. My volume
2: might be in a
3: Okay, can you hear me <laughs> now?
2: Perfect, boss. I can hear you now.
3: Oh, okay. I had my volume on too high. Okay. Well, Mr. Knight... At the 6 minute and 58 second mark of the match, you were lying on the ring apron outside the ropes when Orlando performed a Hulk Hogan style leg drop on you. This is fairly high risk because the one doing the leg drop does not have that much room to hit his opponent squarely. If he or she is about a foot or a foot and a half off, They can land at an angle and be be deflected off their opponent onto the floor below and not remain on the apron. My question is, have you yourself leg dropped an opponent while on a narrow ring apron? I have
2: not. No, 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 no. Uh, I don't do, that's not one of the things that's in my moveset. Uh, I'm also really big on, uh, safety so no it's not something I've done
0: okay
3: okay well Mr. Knight at the 8 minute and 18 second mark of the match you whipped Mr. Christopher into the ropes and at the 8 minute and 23 second mark you ran across the ring in what I believe was going to be a stinger splash my question is: Were you a big fan of Sting?
2: Yes. Uh, the Stinger Splash is actually one of my favorite moves. Uh, so, of course, it, I felt like it was it was it was right of me to do that. You know, what I mean, and it, there's usually a there's, it's usually a setup, so it's usually the Stinger Splash. They feed out of the corner, and here I come with the clothesline. Uh, I believe he moved. Uh, I came here for the splash. I believe that's what. Yes, it was. he
3: did. He did move. Yes, and you didn't get to do your stinger splash on him. No. Okay. Okay. Well, Mister Knight. Speaking of Sting, readers of Pro Wrestling Illustrated named Sting the most popular wrestler of the year on four occasions. Can you name the other wrestler named most popular wrestler four times? The other wrestler. I came out of
2: my head. It's
3: John Cena. Ha! Huh.
2: That was a thought. That's actually what I thought. <laughs> yes, John, John Cena
3: and Sting share this title, Pro Wrestling Illustrated title.
0: Nice.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, Mr. Knight, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior, although he was not known as the Ultimate Warrior then, were tag teams, were tag team partners for the Continental Wrestling Association, or CWA, a wrestling company based in Memphis, Tennessee, in and around the middle of 1985 and most of 1986. They were, ne- they were then known as the Freedom Fighters. Sting and Warrior then wrestled for Bill Watts in Alexander- Alexandria, Louisiana for the Universal Wrestling Federation, where they were known as the Blade Runners. My question is, would you have rather seen seen the Sting Warrior tag team known as the Blade Runners, for the UWF in Louisiana? Or the Freedom Fighters in Memphis, Tennessee, for the Continental Wrestling Association?
0: Um,
2: uh, maybe for the Continental Wrestling Association?
3: Okay. All right. Well, you know, now they were known uh, then for at uh, the CWA as pretty much a pretty uh, big, uh, well, in, uh, kind of like a lumbering um, uh, babyface uh, wrestling tag team, and they weren't really, they didn't really go over with the fans. They made their exit on their last match when they broke a man their opponent's leg. Sheesh. They kind of made a kind of like a subdued uh, uh, leave or entrance. Yes. They didn't really go over that well with CWA as the yeah. Freedom Fighters. Okay. Okay, very good. All right. Well, uh, Sam uh, Knight, it was a good talking with you. And uh, I suggest you go back uh, with in, uh, with a video I was talking about, and maybe you could find out the identity of that blue and white masked lucha wrestler. <laughs> Will do. I can do that. Yes. And, and report back to Sign Guy about this. Yes. I can do that. Oh, okay. Well, Sam... Good luck with your T-shirt sales, and I hope appreciate they are, are as successful as the Dude Love T-shirt sales. And at this time, I'm giving it back over to Sungai. Thank you, Sungai. I appreciate you, man.
1: Thank you, QT. Well, Sam, you didn't mention earlier about Heroes and Legends, and they are returning to Fort Wayne next week, which is where they got their start. Uh, they ran right. several very successful shows there. For the fans not familiar with Heroes and Legends, they make a lot of the legends of the past that you know from the major national companies in with a lot of the local independent wrestlers to make one big show. I know uh, you've been on some of the Heroes and Legends show. Who would you say to date has been the legend that has helped really make your career established like who gave you the best advice or a match that really solidified things coming off of heroes and legends
2: um honestly it, it wasn't at heroes and legends i've 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 been blessed to be to be surrounded by some, some great people um uh, but so somebody at heroes and legends that i watched and learned some things from was uh, ken anderson Ken Anderson was uh, going over some things backstage, and actually, I took the time to sit and watch him going over it. And I asked him to repeat it, and he actually took the time to repeat it and walk me through what he was doing. It had nothing to do with me, but he took that time to repeat it. Um, but being trained by Rikishi and Gangrel, uh, Gangrel and Rikishi have they they were actually. They were like dads to me. I would say the reason why I say that is because they actually took the time to work with me. Uh, also, uh, Reno Anai, who is the Count of California Black Pearl, is also another person that I, I that doesn't get as, as much as much respect and notoriety that that he deserves, but he really drove a lot of good lessons into me to make me more confident as a competitor. So uh, it wasn't just, like I said, it wasn't just heroes and legends that helped push my career. It's before that. You know, I started training with guys. Like when I started training in California, I started at the R1 Center, you know, in El Segundo. And then I made the move to Santino Brothers where I worked with Supreme and Angel and Chaos and Jezebel and a few other people, you know. And then I went to another school. And then I made my transition into Knox Pro, where I learned from Gangrel, Rikishi, and Black Pearl. Orlando Jordan was still there, and a few other people, you know, and to this day, I'm still learning, you know. Um, I've been blessed to come in contact with a lot of people who have been to the show, who are teachers, who still teach people, you know, who are, who are still giving those lessons that I need to be a better worker, and I'm, I'm 16 years in, you know what I mean?
1: The longest reigning heavyweight champion for Heroes and Legends is, of course, the Don Drew skills. Yeah, how many times has he advised you not to be sucking?
2: (laughs) Uh, Uncle Drew, uh, a lot. Um, I I had the opportunity to work with Drew about two years ago, and. I had seen Drew wrestle him plenty of times. But when I worked with him, it was a great experience. And we kind of hit it off quick. I still talk to Drew. You know, and he still, <laughs> still don't be sucking. <laughs> still advised to see that. So uh, that's my guy. Uh, Uncle Drew, that's my guy.
1: Mine, too. One of my favorite people in the wrestling business. And don't be sucking his. Really, really good advice. I always listen to that. (laughs) We're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure that you have plenty of time. If there is anything that you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote. Anything and everything, social medias, merchandise, upcoming shows, your favorite radio station, anything in the world you want, the floor is yours. Uh, First of
2: all, fans that have the opportunity to listen, thank you so much for all your support. Um, i promise you that 2021 is going to be a year like we've never seen before why because i've waited long enough to come back and i am not going to disappoint you uh if you want to follow me on facebook it's uh sam knight on facebook s-a-m-k-n-i-g-h-t if you want to follow me on instagram it's knights honor k-n-i-g-h-t-s-h-o-n-o-r you can find me there i am on youtube um uh, also shows coming, upcoming shows coming up I will be at Heroes and Legends this weekend um, I am actually honored to be a part of that show uh, I will be taking on Officer Rod Street so that's going to be a fun time and that show is at the Allen County Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne Indiana so if you can make it out there, tickets are on sale now. You can contact me on Facebook. You can contact Jason Maples or Sean, Sean Coletto on Facebook. Also, uh, after that, May 15th, DCCW, Muncie, Indiana, I will be defending the DCCW Heavyweight Championship there uh, against an opponent that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, May 22nd, I will be in South Bend, Indiana for RCW. And May 29th, I will be in Boonville, Indiana, for Refocus Wrestling. So it's going to be a great May month. Um, April's going to end strong. I look forward to, look forward to talking to each and every one of you, seeing each and every one of you. I do have t-shirts on sale. I do have a website. You can contact me on Facebook, and I can give you all the information. But until then, God bless. Thank you all.
1: Well, it has been a pleasure having you here on Turnbuckle Turmoil. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Best of luck to you as you Thank
2: seem to have, you have a pretty
1: busy six weeks ahead of you. And yeah, I tell <laughs> Drew next week that song guy says he's trying his best not to be sucking.
2: I will. I would make sure I tell him that.
1: All right. Fans, definitely get out there, buy a ticket to watch Sam Knight perform. I think you will definitely enjoy him. He's got a lot on the YouTube, so search him out if you're not familiar and definitely support him and what he's doing. We will be back with you next week. Next Friday afternoon, we have the man that is behind the book and the movie, The Math Saint, Chris Whaley. And then uh, one week from this very day, we have – Bruiser Jr. with us. It should be an outstanding time. Plans to be with us. Everybody continue to be safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon.